Hello and welcome to Cooking Your Way Through Life. Today's episode is Cooking Your Way Through Budgeting, and today's recipe is a chocolate souffle. Cooking Your Way Through Life is a podcast combining knowledge of the kitchen and applying it to real life situations. This podcast is all about understanding techniques to make things you already know even better. Topics from traveling on a budget, setting and achieving short and long-term goals, and of course, cooking. Today's show is all about budgeting, so you will get a better understanding of your own personal finance, get a better grip on no matter your tax bracket, you can start budgeting today, and understand how you can make your money work for you. We're going to teach you how to make a chocolate souffle and give you some tips and tricks on what to serve it with and how to serve it. So sit back and get ready to enjoy today's Please show. Please welcome Chef Hollywood. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cook Your Way Through Life with me, Chef Hollywood. Today we're going to go over something that is really cool in my book, which is budgeting. Now, I love to budget. I like numbers. I like finance. I got my degree in finance because I like it that much. And I'm a really big geek and nerd when it comes to that kind of thing. And so this is like a really cool topic. It's also really cool because I can combine my love of finance and numbers with my love of food. So today we're going to pair this with a chocolate souffle. Now, this may seem a little bit daunting and that's the hope. I hope that you think about it as a chocolate souffle. I never made a souffle at home. This seems very hard, but you can do it. And that's kind of how budgeting is if you've never budgeted before. It seems very daunting, but in real life, you can do it. So we're going to get right into it. First, let's go ahead and decide what type of souffle you're making. Today, we are making a chocolate souffle, but deciding your souffle really breaks down what you need, of course, but it also breaks down a lot of other things. So in this case, if we're making a chocolate souffle, if you really like chocolate, which I'm not a huge chocolate fan, but if you really love chocolate and you already know that a lot of chocolate can be overwhelming. So I'm making a chocolate souffle. If I want stuff to go with it, like a whiskey or bourbon whipped cream or spiced candied pecans or even just fresh berries or a drizzle of something, all those things need to play off of the chocolate. So chocolate is kind of heavy. You want kind of lighter options or lighter things to go on it to kind of break it down a little bit or break through it. So we're going to make some whipped cream today and use fresh berries and some powdered sugar. But it's just a very classic kind of approach to it. And the first thing we want to do is get all of our ingredients out. So we know we need chocolate. We are measuring this with our scale today. Some things you can measure with a measuring cup, but in this case, especially when it comes to baking, we want to be precise. And if a recipe calls for a certain amount or a certain weight, you want to make sure you have those tools to weigh that item out because baking is a science. So it's not a, you know, a little dash here, a little dash there. And some spaces you have availability for that. But for the core of baking, you do need to have a sound plan and a sound recipe to go off of. So we're getting our chocolate together here and we're going to measure this out on our scale. We're also going to get our eggs out 
So this is one of the few times where I'm going to ask you not to take your milk out yet, though, because we want to make sure our milk is cold. This is going to cool down the cooking process or the melting process of our chocolate later. So we're going to keep that in the fridge. But you can go ahead and take your eggs out and your chocolate and we'll get this all together in just a second. Now, before we get into separating and getting this recipe together, because this recipe is really fast. The idea of a souffle sounds daunting. I know it does because I ran this idea by a couple of friends and they all looked at me like I was crazy. But in real life, you don't have a lot of ingredients that go into this recipe. Really, the thing that you really have to make sure that you're doing correctly is measurements, timing and temperature. Those three are going to be the ones you really have to keep an eye on. Everything else is pretty straightforward, really basic ingredients. Other than cream of tartar, you probably have every single ingredient in your kitchen. If you love chocolate, you probably have some sort of chocolate at your home already. So this is not one of those things where you need to go to the grocery store and spend thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars to get these ingredients that you'll never use again. So it's actually a pretty great thing to have. Now, this is why I paired it with budgeting, because you kind of have the tools to budget already. You just don't know how to put them together if you've never budgeted before. So just like you probably seen eggs, milk, flour, sugar, chocolate, maybe not crematory like I mentioned earlier, but salt and everything else is going inside of this souffle. But you never put it together in this way, which is why you never made a souffle. This is the exact same thing about budgeting. You've had a job before, so you gotten a paycheck, you spent money, at least on bills, if not anything else. And you also have put money aside either in a savings account, under your mattress, wherever you save money at. So you've already done budgeting. You've already went through the steps or you know the base points of it. You just never officially put it down on paper. So let's start out with what is a basic budget and why are we budgeting and Do these things help you overall? And the short answer, yes. Yes and yes. (laughs) I know it makes no sense for the first two, but yes, across the board. I am a big, big supporter of budgeting. I know that at least in some circles and some communities, sometimes even in the black community, the word budget kind of seems like a, a bad word or a less kind of worried like oh you on a budget you know it's looked at as kind of a a downplay to something but in reality everyone is on a budget you just may not know what their budget is so the idea is that this is a personal thing you don't have to tell anybody you're on a budget nobody should be counting your pockets i don't count other people's pockets that's a whole nother conversation in podcast but The idea of a budget helps you personally get to wherever you want to go. And that's also a personal goal. It's a personal mindset. Your goal might not be to have a mansion in Beverly Hills with three cars. It's not my goal either. But um, (laughs) but your goal might be to one day have a nice house in a specific neighborhood, drive a specific car you want in your mind and go on trips and do this, that and the other. Now, to get to that place, you do have to have a plan. Unless you are a lucky person, which I know a lot of lucky people, shout out to people that win the crew bingos if you work on cruise ships, that can just go and get a lottery ticket and boom, you're a millionaire. You probably need a plan of some sort. So budgeting is that kind of plan to get you there. So the first step is you can start a budget at any time. So... I have gotten that question a lot. When I got my finance degree, 
really with a bachelor in finance, you can do a lot directly. I mean, you can go into certain fields and you you have to keep going basically and do other certifications to become a CPA or anything and that sort. So when I got my degree, it was because I was taking a step away from cooking at the time for personal reasons and health reasons. And then once I kind of graduated and I was in the midst of all that, I became healthy again. And it kind of foreshadowed like the whole degree for a moment. I didn't even use it for the first six months. But I mean, the knowledge is still there. I still love numbers. But I started doing side business as just helping people do personal budgets and helping them like kind of figure out their lives. Because I realized that a lot of people that I was around didn't know how to do that. So the first question I always get is, is there ever a bad time to start a budget? Or is it too late to start a budget? Like when should I start a budget? You can start a budget anytime you want. So budgeting overall comes down to money. We're talking about money here. And your goal is to make sure that you are making enough money to live the lifestyle that you want to live, whatever that may be. That's the goal. I mean, that's the goal for most people. I won't put a blanket statement on all society, but that's the goal for most people out there. Now, what I always start off telling people is that you never can tell how much money someone has, what their budget is, or what's going on with their life by looking at what they make. Because it's all about what goes out, not about what comes in. And that's why I tell people don't count other people's pockets, because I can know that you make like, oh, well, she probably makes over 100K a year. I don't know her bills. I don't know what her finances look like before that. I don't know if she has student loans, health problems, a grandmother that's in the hospital. She paying like all those things matter. So if you're making 100K a year, but you have 1.5K going out every year or about 200K going out, hopefully not. But that means that what you're making does not matter. It's it's getting you a little closer to not being in debt so much, but in the long run, you're still in debt. And someone who's working at a clothing store that's making $27,000 a year, $27, a year, but only has thirteen going out, they have an overall better ending of the year because they have more money coming in than going out. And that's the goal. Now, your lifestyle might change depending on that tax bracket, but your livelihood and your peace of mind is always better, in my opinion, when you don't have to worry about finances so much. So this is where that budgeting comes in. So this is why I say it does not matter where you are in life and what time it is in your life and what's going on. You can always budget for those kids that are at McDonald's to the adults that are at a Fortune 500 company right now. You write down every single expense that you have, and then you put that comparison to your monthly income. So what are your monthly bills? And then what's your monthly income? This is your debt to income ratio. This number can be really, really daunting also. The goal is to always have a debt to income ratio that is as low as possible. So ideally, you know, like some some websites, some books you read, some professors you go to, some CPAs you go to, some personal finance people you talk to, they would give you all different numbers. Honestly, they're going to give you different numbers. They're going to give you numbers depending on what they're trying to get you to do. 
Some people will tell you that 28% is great. Some people will tell you that 43% is awesome. Now, the idea here is that I always just say the lower the number, the better, because the lower the number, the less you know you're working towards getting out of debt, if that makes sense. Because your debt to in your debt to income ratio is what I just said, what's going out over what's coming in. So that means if you're making a thousand dollars a month and you have two hundred dollars going out a month in bills, then your debt to income ratio is twenty percent. That's the easiest way to put it down with those numbers. So you you just add your own and then you can figure out your debt to income ratio. Now, when you go to certain people like lenders for mortgages or for loans, they put that together because if you already are at 89% with your debt to income ratio and you're trying to take a mortgage out for over $200,000 in their mind, how can they make sure they're going to get that money back? Because you're already spending so much money each month compared to what you're making. You're barely having any money left over. Their only concern is getting paid. They don't care about what else is going on in your life. They want to make sure they're getting their money back for this mortgage they're giving you for this house. Now, if you have a lower debt to income ratio, they have a higher chance of getting it back because you have more extra money each month to pay them. So that's why that really, really matters. Outside of that, whenever you're not trying to get a loan or a mortgage or a new car, whenever you're not trying to get anything on your credit, then that number is not even looked at that much. You're the only person that knows about it until that kind of happens. But for peace of mind, I always say keep it lower because we always have things that come up. Life, life comes up. So the better kind of backup plan you have, what that's, so the better backup plan you have when it comes to finances, the better you are in the long run because you never can prepare for everything. But it's better to be somewhat prepared than not prepared at all. Best example right now is 2020. If you were living paycheck to paycheck, which is most Americans, you probably were in a really, really bad place when the world shut down because your paycheck stopped. So does everything else. Now, it's easy. It's so easy for people who don't live paycheck to paycheck to say you shouldn't live paycheck to paycheck. But the reality is most people do and not because they want to, because it's just the either the job you have versus the bills you have, or it's just this only job you can get. And sometimes we can't get a better job until we move up in that job. So it's not like a, you are instantly in the process of not doing this. The idea is, though, is that you need to pay yourself first. So that means that putting money back for savings is more than just putting money back to buy those new shoes or that new purse. It's really for your livelihood. If you would have had three months saved back, not judging anybody, not saying that you could did the you stop drinking a cup of coffee every morning, you could have been great. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying all those things aside. If in May you had three months of finances saved back for your monthly income, can you say right now you would have been in a better place? And I think for most of us, we would say yes, because at the least you would have felt more comfortable sitting at home trying to protect you and your family or doing what people were telling you to do, knowing that you didn't have to worry about those finances doing that. And nobody in your family or anybody was going to go hungry and you wouldn't lose anything. So just having that peace of mind, that's what I'm saying. So the goal is to get you to there in your personal life. 
not comparing to others, not doing anything else. Just how can you personally at home get to that place? And that's by budgeting. There it is. Just simple as that. If you work savings into your budget, then you know what goes out every month. The idea of a budget, as I mentioned earlier, is looked at sometimes as a downfall. But in reality, when you go into the market or you go into the store and you swipe your card and you don't know what's in the bank versus what's going out. And you're just like, I hope I got $100, but I just spent $75. So that should leave me with $25. But then I need to stop by Zaxby's on the way home. And that's like $19, but that should be cool. Those are the type of things that you don't want to do because if you already budgeted out everything else and then you have a clear hundred dollars for entertainment or going out purposes, that's when you don't have those kind of thoughts because you're just like, I know I'm cool today. I just spent $75. I just spent $19. It's all good because I budgeted out a hundred dollars for the day and I'm all good. And if I do go over the budget, the great thing is I have a backup. Because that's what's in my budget. I put myself as a backup because I know that I be swiping a lot. Boom. Now, like I said, easier said than done. I'm not saying this is possible tomorrow. I'm just saying this is one of the things you can work towards. And so is a budget. You don't have to be an expert in 24 hours, but you need to take charge of your own life. And that's what this is about. So before we get any more deeper into that, let's get started on this souffle. So with this souffle, we want to make sure that we are going to preheat our oven. And with this particular one, I go at 375. It's kind of high for baking, but it's really good because you kind of want to cook a souffle in a way that you are getting it to rise, of course, which that's what most of us know from souffles. They're kind of like risen in these ramekins and they look very, very amazing but also temperamental or kind of delicate and we know that they fall so the idea of that is to kind of cook it a little faster get that heat process going faster it's not a slow stroll kind of cooking process it's a little more high heat so we get that on we want to melt down our chocolate first i'm using a double boiler method so we put our chocolate inside of a metal bowl over simmering water or right below simmering just so it's hot enough to melt in our chocolate and then we need to prep our ramekins so with our ramekins we need to prep them with melted butter and sugar so this is going to give us a little bit of sweetness and also make sure that our souffle does not stick to the ramekin itself now you might be thinking this is going to be super sweet but i'm using dark chocolate in this recipe so it's not going to be super sweet at all don't worry. If you are using milk chocolate in this recipe, I wouldn't recommend it for this particular recipe, but you can find souffle recipes with milk chocolate. We wouldn't use this much sugar <laughs> because it would become an overpowerly sweet item. So this is great for if you like dark chocolate and we're not going to add too much sugar into our dark chocolate, just pretty much enough to sweeten it up. So it's not going to be overly sweet at all. And then after we get our ramekins ready, our chocolate kind of melting down, we need to get our other butter that we set aside and we need to start melting it down on the stove top. So in a skillet, we're going to get our butter melted down. We're going to use our flour here and we're going to kind of make a roux, which is going to be our thickening agent for our souffle. And then we're going to add our milk in with that roux. So once the milk is in, we're going to mix this all together. 
And the next step is pouring it into our chocolate. So the chocolate's melted down. We have this mixture in and we're going to mix this mixture up. Now, before we move on to our next step with our souffle, it's not a lot of steps, guys. So that's why I said we're just going to take it slow and steady today with that. Getting back into our budgeting here. I always tell people when they ask me, is there just a standard budget? Like, should I just have like a like what's the budget I should use? Now, I tell people there's not a standardized budget per se, but there is a standard way to go about making your budget. So whenever I'm talking to people that I'm doing personal finance for, I just still do budgeting and people still reach out to me to do budgeting. I don't advertise it a lot. I guess this is probably the most advertisement I've done for it in the past like two years. But if you do have any budgeting questions and you want to do like simple budgeting and you want help with it, I definitely do offer those services. So please reach out. But I always tell people I break it down into a strict budget and a moderate budget. So with strict budgets, what we're going to put is every single thing that you spend money on. So that's down to your gas. That's also the things you never think about. Like the what do you spend money on if you're going to work every day? Do you stop by the convenience store? So do you stop by and get a Red Bull or a cup of coffee or something else before you get to work? And after work, do you do that? How many times do you eat out each week? We need to put that in as well. And then on on top of that, of course, we do the other things, which is your rent or mortgage, your light bill, your car note, your car insurance. Now, with that one, that's really for people who either I always say that's for people who have been having a hard time budgeting. So you tried it in the past, but you just can't stick to it and you don't know why. This is kind of like that we're going to break everything down so you have no place to hide or no place to make mistakes. And if you do, we know exactly where they are. So this way we know and we can identify why it doesn't it. We can identify why it didn't work for you in the past and we can tell you why it will work for you in the future. So that's the one time. That's the one type. And then the other one is a moderate budget. So that's when we just put the heavy hitters in. Your rent or mortgage, your car note, the light bill, you know, big things like that. And then we subcategorize the other things. Like instead of putting gas and groceries eating out, we would just put automotive services for gas. And then like we'll just put in a a number there that we'll try to stay within the entirety of the month. Or if you want to go weekly or bi-weekly, I always usually tend to make budgets based on the month and then we break it down based on your pay cycle. So if you get paid every two weeks, then we'll do a monthly budget broken down into two parts. You pay monthly, do one budget overall every week, four times and so on and so forth. So this way, it's just easier for you to see that when your money go comes in from your paycheck, you know what to go out. You know what will go out from that paycheck and from your bank account. Now, the moderate budget is the one I usually start people off with. This is if you've never done a budget before. It's just to get you kind of like easing into it. You understand what it is. I do know that the biggest thing I hear from people is that when I start doing budgets, then I feel like I have no money. The reality is, if you feel like you have no money once you start doing budgets, you probably don't have any money in general. And that's not being funny. That's not being shady at all. That is legit. It only shows you what you're already doing. 
you can't make a budget based off of things you're not spending. So if you have kids, for instance, you know how much you spend on your kids' shoes, clothes, food, and everything else because you're a mom or a dad. So you know those numbers. Now, whether you write those numbers down or not, those numbers are still there. So if you write those numbers down and then you say, dang, I only have $20 at the end of the month. That's crazy. How do I only have $20 at the end of the month, but I just spent $200 yesterday? Well, either A, something did not get paid as you wrote down, or B, you're dipping into money that you don't have, which would be credit cards or savings, which, I mean, you do have savings, but you don't want to go in there unless it is something that you set up for. But this is where you get into debt. So a lot of times it's the unknown or not knowing that we really like is to being ignorant to it where it's just like, uh, I'm not budgeting. So it's not bad. But in real life, in your real, real life, you are budgeting. You're just not writing it down because you know how much stuff costs. You're not stupid. You make money. You spend money. You know these things. You're just not exactly writing it down. So The moderate budget is for that person to kind of get them on track and know exactly where your money is going. I always tell people, it's your money. So, you know, you should know where it's going. You should know what you're spending it on. I do a what I like to call a kind of refresher or a a view of my budget every month. I double check things, you know, especially right now. We have streaming services. We have gym memberships. We have all these different things that we spend money on. Right. If you haven't gone to your gym in the past two months, but you've been spending money on that gym membership, are you going to go before that gym membership ends or are you going to continue spending money to not go? Now, for most people, they'd be like, oh, well, it's only $10 or it's only $30 a month. You know, so if I don't go, it's not like the end of the world. It's just 10 or $30. The great thing about having a budget, in my opinion, one of the great things is that once you see it on paper, if you can take that 10 to $30 off every month, you can allocate it to something else that you might not even have known that you could spend money on and not worry about. If that $30 doesn't bother you, then, and you're not even going to the gym anyway, but say you've been, you just started a business. Just talked about this in my last, po- my last podcast. You just talked about this. You just started a business last month. You want to do a little marketing, but you don't want to spend too much money on marketing. You don't think you have money to spend on marketing. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, different apps that will help you with making videos or even doing hashtags. All these things are available for a cost. But you spend it at $30 that you're wasting on not going to the gym on that. You also won't notice it. It's just $30. It's not going to break the bank. You won't even notice it. You're just allocating that money to something else. Not saying you can't do this without writing it down, but having it written down is so much easier to say, you know what? Not using this, going to put it over here. And that's what I love about the budgeting system is because once you do that, you don't even change. Your bottom line never changed. You're not spending more money. You're just getting something that's actually working for you. And you weren't going to the gym anyway. And that's just an example, everyone. I'm just saying because most of us can't go to the gym right now. Gyms are slowly opening. But for those who, who are members of gyms that are not opening, it's just an example. But that's really a great way to see how it works in, in live action. Now, another thing is you always hear that saying you have to spend money to make money. Now, this is true. 
I can say this is true in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to to marketing, right? Because if you are in any kind of marketing or services that do marketing or you have a business that does marketing, then you know that you spend money on marketing. It's just it is what it is. You have to spend money on marketing. That's spending money to make money. Now, what I will say is that another reason why I check on my things every month is because if I've been spending money on marketing for the last six months, but I don't see an increase in money coming in for that particular thing I've been marketing, I need to back up on spending money for that marketing process. Otherwise, I'm just spending money for the sake of spending it. And this goes across the board. This is for those streaming services. You have Disney Plus, but you haven't looked at it once except for watching black is king shout out to beyonce or you have you know another service that you haven't used at all these are things that most of the time fly under the radar because we don't even get paper paychecks a lot majority of people get paid direct deposit so you never have to go to the atm or to the bank so everything's already in your bank account and then everything's coming out automatically so it's up to you to take care of your money and see where things are going. And if they're going on things you're not spending, you're not enjoying or you're not using, don't waste your money. All right. So take a little break from budgeting. I'm probably giving you a lot of information just then. So kind of digest that down. <laughs> and if this is just a refresher course for you and you are great at budgeting, but you just want to learn about the souffle, then don't worry. We're going to get back into the souffle right now. So for the souffle, we already have everything together so far in one bowl, but we don't have the eggs, egg yolks or the egg whites in. So we put that mixture in from the milk and the butter and the flour into our chocolate. And that's in one bowl. We can go ahead and add in our cayenne pepper, our salt, and our eggs. I also like to add in a little cinnamon here. I'm not a big chocolate person, as I said earlier, but I really like the addition of cinnamon with the cayenne pepper because it's a little spicy, but cinnamon is spicy on its own in a different way. So a little cinnamon, a little cayenne pepper, egg yolks. It's going to look like our mixture is getting a little curdled or a little too thick at this point. So don't worry about that. But what we do need to add in after this is going to be our egg whites. So egg yolks just went in. We have our egg whites left. We don't want to just add in the egg whites here. We're going to turn these egg whites into stiff peaks. So this is just whisking these egg whites to the point where they're no longer this slimy liquid. And they're these look like really pillowy clouds. And they are stiff peaks, meaning that if I turn this bowl upside down, nothing will fall out. So this is where our cream of tartar comes in. The cream of tartar is basically a dry acid. So we can add this dry acidic item to the egg whites. And by doing so, we're breaking the bonds of the egg whites. Now, if you never made still peaks and you never whisk egg whites, then this process is brand new to you. If you have, then you know that if you keep whisking, they turn those still peaks I just talked about. But just like anything in life, the faster you get to that point, the faster it will break down. Meaning that if I can whisk these egg whites into still peaks in five minutes just by hand with nothing else, then they probably will only last about five to six minutes before they turn back into this liquid. But by adding in our cream of tartar, we're breaking those bonds, which turns that slimy liquid into those still peaks. And we're working against the egg whites themselves. 
Now, by doing this, we're making it tougher and we're making it stronger and we're making it stay together longer. So this helps us in the long run, because while it's baking, we don't want it this to break back down into a liquid. So that's why cream of tartar comes in. And then we're going to add our sugar in as well to go ahead and give us a sheen as well as sweetening up our egg whites to go into our chocolate mixture a little bit later. So whisking this is to peaks. We want to take this and fold it into the chocolate. So this is where we switch from our whisk to our spatula. You want to slowly fold in. You'll notice when everything is done folded because we'll have one consistent color, one consistent um, texture, one consistent texture, one consistent color all over. So that's the best part. And then we just want to put them in our ramekins. And I always like to go a little bit below, so about an inch below the top of your ramekin because remember we're going to have these rise if you want it to be super souffle and just come come up and really be great you can go about two centimeters but you don't want to go we just don't want to get to the rim because we don't want it to overflow before we start the cooking process and the rising process all together so this will help us in the long run not only for the look of the souffle but also just so we can actually eat all the souffle we put inside and not have to worry about it burning on the outside of our ramekin so let's pop these in the oven and finish up with our budgeting here and our budget talk. So a couple things to finish off with the budgets is that we kind of gone over the basics and how to get started and everything you need to do going forward. If you don't, if you didn't know how to budget before, but in reality, we want to make sure that we're just trying to change the narrative here. I don't want people going forward and young kids and anybody to think that budgeting and the word budget is a bad word. Because really, most of us, especially in the black community, weren't taught about these things. We weren't taught how to budget. You don't even get taught how to budget and how to manage your money in high school, which is supposed to set you up for life in college and beyond. So if you are from a household where these things weren't taught to your parents and then they weren't taught to you, then you kind of just fumble along the way. And this is how we get into credit card debt and all other things where we're afraid of credit, whereas credit is basically an extension of ourselves if we know how to extend it properly. So I don't want people to feel like this is a thing where you have to do this Versus like, this is something you should want to do because at the end of the day, you make your money. No matter what you're doing, you're making your money. You go out there and you do what you have to do to make the money. So know where your money's going. Make your money work for you. Know exactly how your money is working for you in every single way possible. This is where budgeting comes in. Now, setting up for financial success later, you definitely need a budget to get there. We mentioned this earlier. I like to make sure that when I talk to people about budgeting and about finances in that way, we start at an honest place. Where are you right now? Where do you want to go? How do you think you can get there? And can you get there within the time frame you have given yourself? These are things that you have to ask yourself. And these are things you have to answer honestly. It's one of those things where nobody else needs to know, but you need to know these things. You can't be in the dark as well which is what we do a lot of times. We keep ourselves in the dark. We're just like, oh, I just think about tomorrow or, you know, that's that whole mentality of I'm going to swipe this card and hope it goes through. You're keeping yourself in the dark, but you don't need to do that. You need to make sure that you're not in the dark. If anything, you need to be in the light when it comes to your finances because they're yours. 
even if you're in a relationship or you're married, you generally have two bank accounts that are separate and a joint bank account, or you just have a joint bank account. Whatever setup you have, both of you are responsible for knowing what's going on with the finances. If you have one partner in your relationship that is on that role, it's even a good idea that you kind of learn about it as well. So it's just like being on a job. If one person is responsible for both of you, what happens if that person's sick or something comes up or a question arises? You know, like it's a good idea to just be in communication to make sure that both of you are aware of these things. The other thing is that in changing that narrative is understanding that your budget does not mean that you are limiting yourself in any way. As we mentioned earlier, nothing's changing. The only thing changing is that everything you're doing is on paper now. So you just write it out. Now, the best thing to do and what I like to do is if you're a type of person who likes to mark things off a list, it's one of the most satisfying things for me. I love to mark things off list because it makes me feel like I'm accomplished for that day. Then you would love doing this because once you write down your budget, you can decide what do I want to pay off first? What do I want to stop paying? Can I get this number down? And then I just tackle that thing. Like it's just so good to just like tackle it and make sure that everything is, is great in that sense. I remember being in college and For some strange reason, which I know now, it was strange at the time, I was like, man, it was so hard for me to get a student loan. I couldn't get a co-signer and with credit because I wasn't 18 yet and I was trying to figure out how can I go to college. And I turned 18 May 4th and I graduated on the 16th of May. And so (laughs) I had like basically less than a month to establish credit good enough to get a student loan and my name to go to college. So it was just a stressful time because I had to go through Chase to get a credit card so that they would know that I established credit with them so that when I tried to get Chase student loan, I'd already have an established credit with the same company. And then I got a student loan to go to college through that process, which was very stressful. And honestly, I'm just glad I pulled it off because otherwise I would have had to take a semester off. And who knows? Because at that time in my life, I might have not have gone after taking a semester off. I, it was kind of do or die for me personally. And so I didn't realize that at the time. And when I got to college, you get these student credit cards and they are vultures. I'm not sure if they still do it, but they would be on campus. They would be. I went to University of West Georgia. So it's a college town kind of in Carrollton. And so they would just be at the banks and like they they were just everywhere, just like signing you off for these credit cards. Right. And so in my mind, and I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person now. I mean, I make horrible decisions sometimes, but I try. In my mind, you wouldn't be giving me this credit card or this new credit card unless you trust me or like, I don't know. Like, I just I just felt like, okay, whatever, credit card, you're giving me stuff and you take it. And then you get into all this debt and you don't even realize it because you're just swiping, swiping, swiping because you're in college and you're broke and you're trying to work, but then, you know, you're doing all this other stuff and you're not aware of it because unless you come from a family or you come from a place where you know about finances and budgeting and and the, the great way to keep your money, you're not understanding that these credit cards have such a high interest rate that what you're spending every month to pay off your credit card, which you're not paying it off, you're just paying the minimum amount, is only increasing your overall balance. 
And this is why I think a lot of people are traumatized or feel some kind of way about credit cards because they have this type of situation. So with this being said, I think it's really important to understand that now I'm at a place where I know what I did wrong. I know what they did wrong, but they are technically, quote unquote, doing everything legally. So they don't see they did anything wrong. But I was not knowledgeable of what was going on. Now that I have that knowledge, I would never go through that again. But that's the whole point is that if the knowledge is not out there freely or openly for you to get, it's hard to know what to look at and what to do. That's why I think people like Susie Orman or, you know, real people in real financial places that tell you the real are what you need to be looking for. And I hope this helps as well. So finishing up, we're going to go ahead and get these souffles out of the oven while they're still risen. (laughs) Pretty sure that's the correct term for that. And they're still kind of high. We're going to make sure we serve them right away. So this is why you normally eat a souffle hot, because once it cools down, it's going to also deflate and you want it to be inflated and really nice and presentable. So let's add on some of this whipped cream, some berries, a little bit of powdered sugar, and serve this right away. Now I want to lead today with the idea of budgeting is not a bad term or a downgrade. And let's try to change the narrative to normalize budgeting as something that we should automatically do no matter what. No matter your pay scale, no matter your wage, no matter where you are in your life and what kind of job you have, you should be budgeting your money because of the simple fact that it ensures you know where your money is going and you know exactly what you're spending your money on. Also, budgeting is something that is personal. So you don't have to share your budget with anybody. Unless you're in a committed relationship and you guys are sharing and that's a whole nother situation, but nobody else, they don't need to know your budget. They don't even need to know you're on a budget. Like if you just, if you still don't feel the way about normalizing it to be a good thing, do whatever you need to do. The most important part is you understand how to budget. You write down your income. You write down your expenses. You see where you are. You see where you need to go. You trim the fat. You get to where you want to be at, and then you continue doing that. As you grow, your budget will grow. Your lifestyle will grow to whatever you want it to be. And as simple as that. And just like this souffle, you might have thought it was super hard to make in the beginning. But now you know you already had these ingredients, just like you already had the tools to budget. You just never put them together in that way. You never did the egg whites and stiff peaks. You probably never looked at your budget or your money in a way that if I have been spending money on this one thing for the past 30 days and I haven't used it, then I should cut it. So things like that, we just have to rethink or rework the way we're thinking and we can accomplish a lot of things. So I hope you enjoyed today. Even though it wasn't the most exciting topic, I hope you found some excitement, especially in the fact that you learned how to make a chocolate souffle. That is kind of cool. I do want to give a couple of shout outs before I leave today. Shout out to Sugar Breaker Radio. One of my best friends from childhood, Ayla, is the co-host along with Shonda D. If you have a chance, check out their podcast, Sugar Breaker Radio, on all podcast platforms. Also, another shout out to one of my really great friends, TJ, who has a podcast called Ease Podcasting that I have been a 
guest on, and he's going to be the special guest co-host for next week on my show. So next week, we're talking about friendships. So please come back next week. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. And next week, you will get to meet my special co-host, and you can check out his podcast in the meantime. All right, guys, I hope you have an amazing day. I'm going to eat this chocolate souffle, and you guys have a great night. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cooking Your Way Through Life with Chef Hollywood.